Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Surf and Sales podcast. I'm Scott Lease here with my co-host, Richard Harris. And we are joined today by the best kept sales secret in Austin, Victoria Abling. She is the vice president of global inside sales at SalesPoint and has an amazing resume that we'll dive into in a little bit. Welcome to the show, Victoria. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I've, I've heard a lot about you guys. I've followed you guys. I uh, know you a little bit personally, Scott, and thrilled to be here. How do you know Scott? I want to know that part. Well, Scott has a reputation in Austin, right? So it's not uh, just in Austin. Let's be honest. <laughs> he has a good reputation. I tried to hire someone, and uh, they went to Qualia. Um, and oh, I won a recruiting battle off of her. Yeah, you Ooh. did. You won a recruiting battle. <laughs> and let's see. One, I don't know if you remember this, Scott. Do you know the White Sox story at soccer? No, the white sock story. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, I remember this. One of our, one of our boys like didn't have socks for the mm -hmm. right color socks or something like that, and we ran into each other. And yeah, go ahead, go ahead. You. Yeah, we were at the Five Mile Dam, which is a little bit south of Austin, before you get to uh, New Braunfels. And I'm like Scott Lease, can I borrow your son's white socks? And you had just finished a game. Brandon forgot his socks. And uh, you're like, yeah, why not? Here you go. And I'm like, I'll pr I promise I'll bring him back. So did you know Scott at that point, or did you just know of Scott? Just of Scott. That's how, so. Here's a total stranger <laughs> coming up and saying, "Can I borrow your socks?" Right. Socks. Yes. And and I love I know Scott well enough to know that he's like, wow, this woman's gutsy. This woman well, also cool. desperate, right? So, <laughs> and then you know, I obviously. Gave them up. What am I going to do? Say no to, right. to this request? Come on. Right. The sad so thing about that day was two other boys forgot shoes. So it was a mess. It was just, it was a mess of a, of a soccer day. I think we won. I don't even remember, but, but I appreciate it. We, we got socks and we, we survived. That's fantastic. That's a great story. So yeah, so our, our boys compete against each other. And every now and then there's kind of these player opportunity events where they're on the same side and, Mm -hmm. Teams are always shifting and everything like that. So that's super yeah. cool. I think the game was this weekend, but that we were supposed to play each other. Yeah, we'll we'll get the boys on FIFA or something like that. Right, they, right. Can, they can battle it out. Yeah. Right. So so tell us like your uh, your origin story. Like how did you get into sales? You've you've got a long illustrious career. How, when did where did it all begin? Yeah, where did it begin? Begin. So I. Grew up in the Bay Area, San Francisco, uh, went to college in, at UC Santa Barbara, and I came home to get started in, in my career after school. I, I thought I was going to be a teacher uh, in classical literature. That, that didn't pan out, uh, mainly because there was a lot of Greek and, um, and Latin that I would have had to, to learn uh, post-college. Uh, and um, I started as a executive assistant to um, this guy, Dale Fuller at Borland. And back then this was a, um, you know, on-prem hardware company. And they were really trying to get into the, you know, dot-com and, and, and really I was, I was the admin for, for the CEO and any executives that came to the San Mateo office in, in the Bay Area. I realized very quickly while that was a fun job and, and it really threw me into the corporate world, I wanted to, I wanted to do something else and, and be known for what I accomplished and I got into 
lead development. So I started as a BDR for a small company called FaceTime Communications. Wait, is that, is that, is that what they called it at the time? Did, was it really called BDR? It, it was. Well, it was LDR. LDR is okay. what we were. LDR. Lead development rep. Yeah. And now it's, you know, depending on what company you're at, it, it's, it's one of those acronyms. But, yeah. we started but this, this is like, what year was, was this? 2002. Yeah, so this kind of predates some of the SDR, BDR nomenclature, I think. Right. And it was, I, you know, pretty traditional model, what you see now. Leads come in. You would qualify them and hand them to an inside sales rep and the inside sales rep would either work the deal or pass to the field rep. Yeah. So it was a very, you know, pretty simple model. Uh, it also gave you the, um, you know, appetite to be competitive and want to close those deals yourself. And so I started as an LDR again, FaceTime communications. It was one of the first companies that did instant messaging on websites competing with a company called Live Person, which is now, you know, I think Drift is another one that is really popular right now. So we were way ahead of our time. Yeah, really, wow. Did you, did you go into that role and, and like fall in love with the sales process straight away or, or were you scared when you first got there to take a little while for you to get good? What was the... Yeah, it, definitely. I remember actually one of my good friends, Amy Davis, was also a LDR at the time and she popped over my cube and said, stop saying basically. And when you're, when you're talking about the product, I always remember that. And it really almost helps you with your credibility when you're not using those crutch words. Sure. Yeah. That's good advice. Actually. That's really Very, good advice. And still, yeah. I still hear it every day. Thank you for yeah. saying that. Every time I hear it, I want to be like, don't say basically. Make sure, Richard, make sure neither one of us says that on this call. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to write it down. It's like surf and sales bingo. Someone says, <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to start closing yeah, myself. Totally do a surf and sales bingo. <laughs> I did. I wanted to start closing myself. And and coming from the Bay Area, there was a, a company that we all well know that's very well known that I felt like if I made it at this company, I would have made it in sales. And that was a small little company on Redwood Shores, um, Larry Ellison's company, Oracle. Wow. And so they were hiring. And how, big were they, how big were they at the time? Oh gosh, this was probably 2004. You know, there was probably a hundred people for me in my division at what was called Oracle Direct at the time. And, you know, I, I'd have to go back and look and, and maybe we could add an addendum it was, here. It was still pretty big back then because they had the campus. Oh, they had the campus. Yeah, yeah we they, were they not had on the, the big campus. campus. Yeah, but I'd be curious to go back and see, you know, where was Salesforce in 2002, right? So I know. We were using Oracle CRM back then too. So we, we were not using Salesforce. And we were still waiting for the fax machine. That is true. Right. The PS coming over totally the agree. Machine. Yeah, I remember those days. I remember yeah. those days too. Um, that, that is true for the young folks that are listening. Uh, so spent you know about a year and a half at uh, Oracle. In fact, my, my AE in the field had San Francisco and it was Kimberly Guilfoyle's brother. And I'm blanking on his name. But anyways, it was, yeah, he was my AE, uh, her brother. And uh, then VMware called out of the blue. And they you know, said, hey, you know, we're starting an inside sales team here. Love for you to join. And went to VMware. What, what is it like to be at a company for almost 11 years? It's 
impossible for me to fathom. I've never been somewhere longer than three years. So that's like a whole nother world to me. You know, being at VMware was almost, uh, it was definitely a blessing. It also made me realize that it's time to grow up a little bit too, right? I mean, I, I spent my early sales years as an inside sales rep selling to Montana, Nebraska, um, some of the great plains in the, the Rockies, Colorado, um, Utah, virtualization back in 2004, five, maybe 2005, completely different concept, right? And so my first sale was actually state of Montana for $50,000. I still remember that deal. And, and I've used that in, in future roles to, to stay connected with those guys and future uh, employees there. But I learned so much there, right? I learned how to, um, how to navigate change. Uh, I learned how to build a, a sales org, how to build an org for new products, right? When vCloud Air came out, it was the first foray into SaaS for VMware. Uh, so that was really, you know, that was a change of mindset going from perpetual to SaaS. You know, let's see what else. We, you know, I moved. I moved the inside sales from California to Austin. Um, that was, you know, coming out here all by myself with my husband, my brand new husband at the time. And, you know, I remember telling him, hey, we're going to Austin to build an inside sales team. And he's like, well, we've never even been to Texas. But we did. Uh, found a location. Um, and, and now, you know, it's a pretty, it's obviously a huge campus here. Yeah. I spend a lot of time doing other things too. Um, one of my mentors, he, he had mentioned to me, sometimes point A to point B is not a straight line. And so we called it a truck stop at VMware. Sometimes you gotta get on that truck stop and stop a little bit and, and do something different. So I actually thank him for that. This is, it's Rich Giraffa who's, who's at Oracle. I think he might've, he may, he may still, I think he's still there. But Rich said, you know, sometimes you have to do different things. And I went and did distribution management. I ran our programs for our channel, um, did some event planning with our partner advisory councils. Really and got all, and all, all of these different roles have now inside of VMware prepared you to be really good, really competent at all the other orgs you've been running and building leading up to where you're at now. Can you tell us a little bit, tell the audience a little bit, like what's the sale like at SalesPoint? sale point, excuse me, is it enterprise? What's the average deal size? Everybody's obviously probably working remote and inside now, but is right. it field team, inside team? Tell yeah, us. so we're going, we're going through a little bit of a transition right now where we're building out the inside sales team. Traditionally, the model was SDR passing to uh, the field rep. So it was a lot of focus on building pipeline and quality leads for the field to transition and, and close. Uh, we had a small inside team on the mid-market, and now we're actually expanding into the enterprise. For the mid-market, we're about a six-month sales cycle, um, ma mainly SaaS, which is our IDN, our, our um, identity now, which is a SaaS identity platform that helps customers around access management, password provisioning, and um, pretty much making sure the identities that are accessing your important data are who they say they are. And then the, the big, you know, the, our big product, which is our identity IQ is potentially nine months to 12 months. I mean, it's a huge project for, for companies because you think about profiles and digital um, access points that are not just people, but you know, anything from, a, from a, um, a digital bot to AI. 
So it can be pretty, pretty long sales cycle. And I'm only three weeks in, so I'm still learning everything, but it's been, you know, it's been interesting to start a new job and be working from home, especially in a profile like this. I have a question because I see this a lot. Um, and you've had, you've, it's a great question to ask you because you've been in places for longer periods of time and seen this, you know, this SDR to BDR role, everybody seems to think and that the natural progression is to put them, you know, into a field sales role, right? I have a different opinion of that, you know, your SDR BDRs are, they're kind of like your gateway drugs, right? To a better company. And that, Hey, you know, bring in someone from an SDR BDR. Yes. AE is an option, but shouldn't customer success be equally an option? Shouldn't marketing demand gen be equally an option? Shouldn't, you know, lots of departments, even HR, maybe they just, they're tired or they're burned out. And they like, you know what, rather than lose that institutional knowledge, let's put it somewhere else. Have you started to see that yet? Um, do you see it or, or has your path or your, the profile you like to hire? No, I really just want those people who move into sales. Yeah, we, you know, it's funny because you can see that's it, it, a great point. A lot of people think that if you get into SDR, you have to go into inside sales, BDR uh, field. And what we found is there's a couple different paths for people. If we recruit from those colleges that are very strong in sales, um, you know, training and they get a sales accreditation, we do see that they want to move to field. And a lot of times you're very successful if you go and recruit outside of Texas or wherever you're located. So those kids come into your company and then want to go back in, back home or you know they already have a little bit of a wanderlust. So we do see success there, but we also see a lot into management. We also see a lot into pro, um, um, product marketing and, and program marketing, right? For Because they want to have that connection with sales. Channel is another great opportunity for them. And then enablement. We see a lot of inside sales go into enablement because they know the sales cycle. They understand how to communicate the message. Um, you know, my proudest moment when I write my performance review is how many people did I promote regardless, right? Are they going to inside management field uh, outside of the org? How many are going to club? How many hit their number? What's my participation rate? So sometimes right. it's not really just about a promotion as much as I can recognize them for something else they've done or a different level within that, 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 um, that org. I'm, I'm curious because um, you worked at big companies for a long period of time and, um, and you got to remind me, how big is SailPoint at this point? We're, um, we're almost 2,000 employees. Okay, so you're, you're big too. Have you participated in sort of the personality tests of things, right? Oh, we're going to put the whole department through, you know, DISC or Divine and all that stuff. Um, and these are our profiles, like psychologically. And I'm just curious as to if you participated in it, what you think of it. Do you have a favorite that you like? Um, what, what have you learn from those things that kind of made you go, oh, I should look for this more. Just anything you've learned around that. Because we, we haven't gonna, talked about that a, You're going to break a tie right now with your answer or whatever it is. Yeah, I'm looking at the one. I, I, you, you guys are going to make me um, remember this name. So at VMware, we did personality tests, right? Uh, I actually had a manager that made us do our, our strengths finders. And all I remember is that I was a wooer. Um, and <laughs> uh, I think it was just funny that it was a wooer. We, we have not done that at SailPoint, but what I, what I do is a assessment, right? And we all, tr we all ask questions based on a specific outcome of a type of personality. 
I think grit and humility is one of the most important for sales. I think identifying people that have potentially had a hard time in, in their career or life and overcome it and given you a example of that is a great way to identify sort of the core traits that you want. When you think you read, you know, you read all the recs for, for a, a role and it's, you're hungry, you, you know, you, you have persistence, you have a sense of urgency. It's really hard to test for those. I know. Yeah. I mean, you really, I think you have to go deeper than that and figure out why somebody has those particular qualities and attributes. Like where did, where did it come from? Where did that hunger come from? Where did the resilience come from? Right. right. But so to your, your point, Richard, we, we haven't done, I have not done a lot of personality tests in the last, at the last three companies. When I was leaving Thousand Eyes, they were looking at, at doing that, right. And you know, they're a, a Silicon based company out in San Francisco, Sequoia back. They, they definitely are starting to look at some of those other ways to hire than just experience and the right background for uh, the role we're, we're hiring for. How do you, you know, we, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying we find a lot of, um, you know, I look, I try to look deeper than just what's on paper and, and you know, how they present themselves because it, it, you, you never know where you're going to find a diamond in the rough. That's, that's my question, right? So, um, you know, for, for grit and resilience, I get it. Tell me about something you've overcome in your life, right? Um, how do you, how do you, what kind of questions might you ask for urgency? Like trying to give people something tactical, right? Like, oh, I've never asked that question. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a good one. A lot of the questions I like to ask to get a, get someone to open up about that sense of urgency is when when you you know are behind in your number when you've got two or three months to go and you know you have to get there. What type of activities do you do? How do you think outside of the box? Another one is a lot you know, and a lot of reps will will tell you that they you know call their partners or things like that. And I'm looking for something a little bit more substance than your typical canned response. I also like to tell them, you know, here's a territory you've never worked in. How are you going to uh, take it to market? What are you going to do? What are the first things you need to know? I, I do think companies that do a challenge during the interview process is really important. Two things happen. One, they really spend a lot of time getting to understand your, your product or what they're trying to sell, even if they don't know how to do it yet and you really understand how much time they put into it. And it's really not if they get it right. It's what do they do to prep for it? And then two, I really think that it's important for someone to take the initiative to say, what does this company do that um, I am applying to? Best question I ask is actually give me an elevator pitch for your last company. And if they can't do that, it's- yeah, that's, a bad, that's a bad sign if they don't have that nail. Scott, how do, right. you, how do you measure for urgency? Um, I, I kind of just try to dig in and figure out how they live their life, to be honest with you, and yeah. try to try to see how fast their motor revs just naturally. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's, I, I agree with everything Victoria is saying, by the way, so I don't want to make it seem like I'm, I'm not, but I, I want to find out somebody's level of urgency before the urgency is obvious. That's yeah. Right? Go ahead, Scott. So, you know, it, it it feels obvious to me that people should have urgency when there's a week left in the quarter and they're, you know, at 94%, right? But like, I'm trying to find people who operate with a sense of urgency every single day. Um, and, you know, some of that goes back to the hardship conversation and the resilience conversation that we were having a few moments ago. Um, you know, when you've, when you've had everything taken from you, 
yep. you tend to have a different perspective and realize, you know, we could lose everything at any point in time. Nothing's guaranteed. I got to make the most out of each opportunity. And so those kind of people to me, in my experience, just move faster and operate with a different sense of urgency. I, I don't, I try to avoid hiring people who are procrastinators by nature, right? So in the interview process, if, if I have any kind of, uh, you know, homework, if you will, like a 30, 60, 90, I literally pay attention to how fast does that get back to me, right? So if it takes three, four, five days, that tells me mm-hmm. a little bit about their sense of urgency. If I get it back that night, that tells me something about their sense of urgency. So I tr- I'm trying to find ways to test for urgency before it's obvious. Yeah, I, got, I have two questions I'll, I'll share with both of you and, and, and listeners that I like to ask. Um, one question is to ask people if they eat fast or slow. You'd be surprised that over 70%, every time I ask this question, um, I say, just out of curiosity, how many people in here either eat fast or have been accused of eating fast? Salespeople naturally think that food gets in the way of you trying to get something. Yeah, especially salespeople and sales leaders who are parents who just have no yeah. time to sit and relax. This is long before that. The other, the other question I asked too is, has any, how often, or can you tell me the last time someone told you to be a little more patient or slow down, right? And how often do you hear, you should slow down a little bit? Because again, that, those are like real world, like I want to, to your, both your points, I want to hear about their real world life. And if they're impatient in those places, then I know they're going to be impatient and sort of aggressive for this, right? Um, I, had, I had a boss once tell me that I was impatient for success. And I was like, well, that's a good compliment. Like, I didn't see that as a negative at all. <laughs> like, that's, like, that's, that's what I was hired for, was to be impatient for success. So I, think like, I just thought I'd more. share that over. So, um, so, so what, by the way, after 11 years, why'd you leave? Yeah, um, this, is, this has been one of the hardest questions for me to answer because I loved what I did. I loved that job. I loved VMware. I, I had the best team. I think everyone says that. I actually have the best team right now, um, but I I realized that I wanted to move up into my career, and I didn't have a lot of the experience that I could bring to move to the next level. I didn't understand, you know, I hadn't started something from scratch, just my own, you know, at a, at a startup or um, been in a position to make the top-down decisions. I always was sort of the one that went and did the decisions, right? And, and made the, you know, built the team to support it. Um, you know, also personally, had three boys under the age of three. Um, it was a lot. I was traveling all the time and I wanted to take a year off. And so I, I thank VMware to give me the opportunity that I was able to take a full year off. Uh, I enjoyed being a parent, was a room mom, uh, did Wednesday folders, went on field trips. Got the bug though. I needed to go back. I didn't know how to define myself while I was at home, and I, I highly, uh, you know, respect those parents that do. But what I find that fulfills me is also um, going to work every day, motivating people, getting them to the next level, and and showing them how I did it. So I yeah. uh, went back, back, went back to work. What Can What advice talk? do you give for for those parents, and and in particularly, I think I think it's. Maybe that maybe it's and I don't think it's inappropriate, but I think it's hard for working moms, right? I think it's hard because you you carried this being inside of you, right? And um, to leave causes some anxiety to come back. Like any advice you give to those to those 
mom, like what advice would you have given yourself, you know, at your first child? Like, oh, you know what? I should have done this differently or I would have done this. And that's what led you to take a year off anyway. So that's good. Right. I, th I think it's okay to slow down a little bit. I think the hard thing is that you're, you're taught, and this is what I was taught, that you, can't, you, you, can, you can have it all. And you can, but you're going to sacrifice, right? And, and actually, this is, this is stuff we've learned in, in, you know, just in family therapy is if you have 100% to give and you give 70% to work, someone's only getting 30%. And that to me was an eye opener. I'm like, I'm only giving 30% to my family. And so being gone, you know, it, it hurt my, it, it hurt us, right? We, we were not the unit uh, we wanted to be. And so some of it was just refine, re, re, refining who I am and, and rediscovering what I thought was important, but it's going to get done. You know, I mean, the company moved on, you know, we, 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 we were able to, you know, even if I was gone um, and, and they didn't want me to leave, they, they're fine, right? They moved on. They, there was good people that they brought on. And I think that they were in a better place because of me being there for them to, to continue. Um, how, did you, how did you create that balance? I know, Scott, you have a question. But yeah. how did you create that balance to yourself to say, okay, this 70-30 is not good. So now you're going to go do 50-50 or 60-40 to the family or whatever it is. But then how did you let yourself be okay with not paying as much attention to work? Sometimes I think it's like, it's easy to say, oh, I'm going to spend more time at home, but our minds are still racing about work and it's hard to be present at home. It right? is. It is. It's an ongoing, you know, not battle, but it's an ongoing discussion here. So mm -hmm. one of the things we really tried to do is, you know, you put your phone down when you come home, the kids were little, we had to, you know, pay attention to them, make dinner, put them to bed. So there was about a two to three hour window where I am, I'm at home. Now it was okay when I get back to work and finish things up around nine or 10, I didn't expect anyone to respond, but I knew I needed to wrap up my, you know, my work. Uh, there's also things that you realize are not, you know, it's interesting. This is such an interesting time because of where we are right now. There's things that are getting done and we're all at home. And maybe a month ago, everyone's like, can I work from home? And you're like, no, you're, you can't, but here we are. So it's an incredible work experiment, social experiment, family experiment. Um, and I, and I, I think to your question that it's not necessarily 50% or 30% less or 20% less. It's when you're with that time for work or for family, you're, you're more present and more engaged. You follow up, you listen better. You, um, you know, I actually started looking at tools to use on a daily basis, right? OneNote was a great thing for me. Trello, um, you know, Slack, incredible help, tool to help reduce some of the time you would use um, wasting potentially on emails or meetings when, you know, I, I can just send a quick note to my team right now, right? So it, it's getting efficient, but also being present and being, I think, just truly transparent too. Yeah. <clears throat> what, are you, what are you learning right now as a, you know, brand new VP of sales, you've been there roughly a month. What are you, what are you learning right now, you know, for the first time maybe and adjusting to and, and how are you learning it? Yeah, well, the traditional ways to learn that probably aren't as readily available by, you know, going into your boss's office or, or meeting your counterparts to, to help with the team. But what I'm, what I'm learning right now is that, you know, a new VP of sales is just as hard to come into and then not to be present is, is extremely, um, you know, it's a new world, right? We're, we're trying to figure out what's the best way to do what we need to do 
um, and, and learning as we're going. So in some way I'm learning right now just how to do this from afar. Um, for, for me, I'm leaning a lot on the people that have been there and not taking for granted that they've done this, uh, you know, just the normal sales roles and what is being successful. I'm also taking everything in to see, hey, we, we do have a moment now to say, is this really the best way to be doing things without yeah. insulting anything of the work that was done before? Because obviously they got to a point of growth where they needed this role. So that something good is, is happening. It's just how do we make this better and how do we um, take this to the next level? Uh, you know, yeah, it, it was a new role for me. Uh, you know, a title change could just be a title change, but it also comes with more responsibility, people looking up to you. I've had to really take a step back and think about how I interact with people, what I say. Um, people are looking up to me differently because uh, you are the leader. I remember when I first met my VP, when I was a young sales rep, I wanted them to notice me. I wanted them to know what I'm doing. So, you know, I take some of what I felt when I was a rep and try to apply that today to, to make sure that I'm, I'm staying connected and not just this, this title, right? I, I don't want to just be a title. And yeah. SailPoint is very strong on, on community. Um, even right now, we have a new Slack channel called Sail On, right? We're going to, despite everything, we're going to continue. And it's kind of funny because it's a very nautical theme, SailPoint. Um, everything is boats and captains and crew and all the rooms are nautical themed. So a little apropos that we're doing a surf and sales <laughs> podcast, but it, um, you know, the biggest thing for me is You're how do I sponsor then, right? You guys are going to yeah, sponsor, you're going to send somebody, right? Right, that's, right now, sponsor. You definitely need to send somebody. I mean, by all means, right? Like what, this couldn't be the, assuming travels lifted, travel bans are lifted. This is going to be the best spiff ever, right? <laughs> it, it, yeah, actually, I, I love that. We'll talk after. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some details on that. I do know we have some avid surfers, um, so. Good shape. How many other women in Austin, in, in your role or similar roles, do you communicate and interact with, right? Maybe a better question is just, how many heads of sales in Austin are women? Women. I, I, can, I can name three or four maybe off the top of my head, which is obviously a problem that um, you know, a lot of us are hoping to try to contribute to fixing. Um, right. You have that kind of network? I have a network more on inside sales managers than I do head of sales. I, I know yeah. a lot of directors. Um, yeah. I know Nicole Collins at VMware, she's sort of moved on and now Anna um, is, is her replacement. So there's-, there's I'm there's looking, a, looking at the very top, like yeah. where, where you are. Right. Probably, probably the uh, Dell is the one that comes to mind where I know, uh, you know, two to three top, you know, VPs um, that and Salesforce. Right. So th those two, I don't know a lot in some of the smaller companies. I'm trying to think like Rapid7, Silent, some of these guys know they're all men. Right. Even even our org. Right. I was going through the org chart and we've got three VPs all leading each different region and all of the men, they're all men in EMEA, all men in uh, Americas. And then we have about three in APAC, but we do have a lot of women in leadership in customer success, uh, which, which was, is good to see, right? Customer success force point actually has a lot of VPs, women in, in engineering and 
uh, customer success and operations as well. So we're, we're starting to see some of that happen, but sales, you, not so much. Do you, feel, do you feel, do you feel a sense of, um, of responsibility to try to, to groom more women and get them into positions where, where you're in right now? Definitely. Especially in particular at sale point where you're at, right? Is this like a big initiative of yours right now? It, it, it is. Um, we were trying to get that going at Force Point. So hopefully that is continuing. VMware has a great one. Thousand Eyes does as well. Xenos does. All these companies that I've been at have great programs for, for women. Um, and a lot of it, let's be honest, some of this comes with budget, right? And in and, and, and growth and maturity of a company, you know, you can go to the CRN channel of the, you know, program out in New York if you work for a big company because there's budget for stuff like that. But you have to spend the time to put that money away. We do little things like coffee hours and, and we bring in, you know, other women to speak with us at, at SailPoint. I like to potentially, you know, help women that I've worked with move up also, right? I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a big advocate. I love people that have been worked for, that work for me, go do other great things. You know, I have people at, obviously VMware, people have moved up, but they're now at Atlassian. They're at, um, um, uh, MongoDB, right? So I'm, I'm definitely proud that if you can find a role that's bigger and, and better, and I've helped you get there, sometimes it's okay to leave, right? I, I don't necessarily think you have to stay. Well, you, you keep using this great word program, right? And I love, you know, there are little things you can do. You can do coffee things. And, and now with Zoom, you can do it too, right? You can have these intimate conversations with, you know, whether it's big or small, because we have, we have lots of listeners, what's a good program? Like, what are some things you've seen implemented that was really helpful um, for people to, for, to support women or, yeah. or to support diversity? Right. Or yeah, for sure. And obviously anyone can join right. uh, any, any of our, our women of, or anything like that. But what we've, what, what I've done just in my inside teams, um, you know, is a, is a monthly conversation with, with the girls. Like we get together for lunch, we talk about things. A lot of times people want to know how were you successful? Um, how do you get into field? And a lot of them want to know about that first meeting, right? They don't, they don't know what happens on your first meeting. What do you bring? How do you handle yourself? How do you respond to emails? So a lot of this is sales one-on-one -on -one that they just want to know in a trusted environment that they can ask those questions without looking silly. Sales is probably one of the only roles that I can think of where you don't have to have experience and we put you in this and expect you to go sell something and we don't, necessarily help you get there and, and companies are getting better at it but imagine me going to be a sushi chef i mean i'd have probably hours of training how to do it right before i could feed someone so i had exactly four hours of training before i got put on the phones my first right. yeah. your phone <laughs> go find someone to talk to so figure it out what what advice do you give to men to to when working with women in sales right aside from you know don't be an idiot um but what are some of those things that, you know, we look, we all know bias exists, right? No matter your gender, your ethnicity, your race, unfortunately it exists. How do we be better though? How do we do better? No, I think I'm lucky. I haven't necessarily felt the brunt of that, you know, personally, but I will say what I have experienced from, from talking to other people, from observing it is that we have just as many great ideas. We can lead just like you can. We probably, might do better in some of the tech spaces talking to the, 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 the customer than, than men do, right? Yeah. We tend to be a little bit more empathetic. 
uh, and again, I'm generalizing, right? This is this is not a um, to to um, you know alienate anyone, but th there, are, you know, I, I I actually think that I became a better sales rep and leader when I was a mom. Um, I I put up with less. I may have grounded my team a couple times <laughs> uh, for breaking curfew or or not coming in on time, but you know, I think. I think we just bring a different side and it's okay to partner and communicate. I have never not had men working for me and some of them are still my best friends today. Right. So I think, I think it's always great to have a balance. And if you don't believe that, you know, try it, go, go talk to one and ask them why it, you know, you learn something new from them. So do you encourage women to voice their opinions more like the, you know, again, another generalization is women often, will be more quiet, maybe not voice their opinion as strongly, or they're afraid they're going to look off. Like, how do you encourage women to do that in a professional way? You, you, you do. You have to. I mean, there, there's no way to not encourage it. You just have to say what, in a professional way, right? Well, this isn't about being a, um, you know, a banshee, but it's okay to be passionate. It's okay to be um, emotional, right? Because you're showing people that you care about something. There's a way to do it. Uh, I, I definitely encourage it. I feel I feel like you know, Radical Candor is a really great book, and I think that if you can talk through something in a very um, specific way, there's nothing wrong with that. Your your best friends and your best colleagues are going to tell you if you're doing something wrong, and and that's going to help you get better. So you you can't be afraid of that. And guess what? Someone may say, "Hey, calm down next time. You'll learn." Right? This isn't about penalizing people and and not saying what you what you think. Um, there's a balance. This is why, this is why we were talking before we started recording, why I'm pushing you to become more active on LinkedIn, <clears throat> to utilize your voice and the power that you have within, right? You're so knowledgeable about sales and leadership and have so much experience and you can be a, um, an example and a, and a guiding light, if you will, um, to everyone in the sales community, not just Austin and not just women in, in leadership or women starting, you know, their, their career. There's a, there's a real platform there to reach people. Right. <clears throat> so yeah, this is your, yeah. this is your homework assignment that I, I, I did I, write that down. Homework. I, have a, I actually have a question. We should start asking this, Scott. We should, I, I want to know Victoria, cause I've watched you take a lot of notes. What are the notes you're taking? What do you, what are you coming out of this with? First of all, first of all, anybody who takes notes is like top notch. Totally agree. I, I've been accused as a note taker like my whole life. So, yep. Yep. My first one was FIFA, right? So I wrote Get the Boys on FIFA. Priorities, got, yes. Yeah, priorities. Uh, gateway you, Scott can introduce you to my son, Bodie, who will also play FIFA. <laughs> um, you know, just your questions, right? Eat fast or slow. Um, you know, I love the impatient for success. I That really resonated with me, right? I, I think... I'm a twin. Uh, I don't know, you know, that's some, some news. So competitive from the day we were born, right? I came out first, so I'm the best, you know, two minutes is still two minutes. Um, and you're the introverted one, right? Right. <laughs> yes. Very introverted. I love working <laughs> from home. Um, she's amazing. Actually, if you, if you, uh, I don't want to talk about, I have a funny story at some point, but she, she's actually an Olympic athlete. And, and so we, you know, I think I have the gold medal and what I've accomplished. She only has a silver medal in bobsled. So, you know, if you're not first, you're last. <laughs> you have a fun, you have a fun That's joke. amazing. 
I mean, she's amazing. Let me be honest. I was so proud of her, but that's such uh, a that's such a sibling comment, and a, that is such know, a sibling comment. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's so fantastic. I love that. So um, <laughs> yeah, and then I wrote obviously um, homework, women in leadership. I have a platform to use to good. So yeah, yeah, you do. You oh, do. and spiff. I wrote spiff. So we're gonna talk after this. This might oh, be cool. a good good opportunity to and and you know I'm I also before wrote down that I'm gonna try to join the happy hour today. Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, if you will, this is the question that's on everybody's mind right now, and you don't don't struggle to find some unique way to answer it if you don't if you don't have one. But um, how are you guiding the ship right now? How are you advising your team to sell through this? What what kind of prospecting strategy is there? Where where are you telling your team to put their emphasis and their focus? So we've, we've stopped, this is obviously a conversation for anyone, especially with an SDR inside sales organization. What, what do we do right now? Um, there's something as, as radical as stopping all communication because we're, people are panicking or how do we approach it? And we've taken the approach of, we're going to be human about this. We're all in the same situation. We've got a product that actually can help people right now. Think about healthcare companies that are hiring thousands of new people that need to manage all of these new people coming into their org. You see, you see um, posts all over LinkedIn that right now the, the cybersecurity threats are going up because people are searching and clicking on links about COVID-19 or coronavirus or whatever you want to call it. Um, we're actually removing those words from our marketing, um, you know, in our sales outbound because we don't want to be about that. We want it to be yeah. that you're in a tough spot right now, but the world's not ending. And when this ends, you still need to do stuff, right? There's still things that need to happen. So we're focused on outcomes that are important. Password reset for large companies is a big thing right now. People are like, I don't know how to get into this, you know, these tools and these apps. I didn't have access before. So everything is very manual right now. It is not automated. We're still using outreach. I think we have a great sales stack uh, to help us be efficient right now in these times. LinkedIn actually has been one of our best uh, tools right now. We've seen a huge spike of, of like LinkedIn, LinkedIn, Na LinkedIn Navigator, LinkedIn Navigator, and and potentially, um, you know, uh, just LinkedIn Navigator having people respond that way. So we're looking at different ways to uh, communicate that way. Um, we're not saying things like in these troubling times, right? We're trying to just be like, hey, we're all here together. We know that if I see that, actually, if I see that one more time, it's really, you know, and Honestly, basically, you guys, if she sees that one more time, Richard. Dude, I, I'm I, so ready to um, No, no, no. I, 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 I was oh, just using that because that, that's the second like pet peeve phrase now. That, that oh, no. My, my, my post is, dear customer, we really don't care about you. Yes, we care that you're safe. And we're only sending this so you think we care about you. Like that's <laughs> kind of what the message should that, that is. What it's, that's right, how it's interpreted. I let I on someone on the MSP and I, I want to say it was you, Richard, talked about the jokes. You know, I think right now you just yes, have that to, was me. I got a phone call yesterday and I hit, you know, on a call, sorry, call you back. And he responded, Hey, you don't have to, this was a cold call. And I was like, wow, that was so, that, thank Genuine. you. And That's I good. responded, well, tell me what company, right? Cause now I want to know it was a company. And in fact, you know, maybe we'll talk to him next year. Right now I'm not in, uh, ready to rip anything out because, you know, I just started and I want to see how this is working. Yeah. 
Um, and well, you'll, a, but you'll probably remember that if, if not that person, you'll remember that company. Right. Yeah. And that tactic. Like yeah. I, I would, I would remember that. Yeah. <clears throat> and it. I think there's some, you, know, people... you remember who it is? Let's give the kid a plug. Let's give the guy like, Hey, this guy did it well. Yeah. It was at sales loft. And let me tell you who it was. He, he, it was great. It was a guy at sales loft and obviously I know sales loft. Right. right. So, um, I actually just wanted to plug the company cause it's, it's telling okay. they are practicing what they preach. That's for sure. I want to know who the, the rep is and whether or not I, know. I, want to, I, want to hire I know them. I really hope it's somebody that I gave direct advice and feedback to. So I look smart. It'll be someone them. I gave direct advice and feedback to. Scott. William Sturgis. I yes. Shout out to William. Not, no, not kidding. Mine, Shout out to William. Hey, I, I, will, uh, I will text and email all four of us to prove that William is my guy. And I talked to him last week and gave him advice. That I is swear awesome. on, I all things, on all things holy and sacred. That's I, cool. I believe That's you, good. Scott. I'm, I'm so fired I just up. hate losing to Scott. I can't stand <laughs> it. Oh, yeah. Oh, you can have the silver medal, Richard. Well, I'm yeah. moving him to Austin now. It's already happening. I just texted him, so he's coming to work for me. So. That's fantastic. There, even better. There you go. All right. There's another one that Kyle uh, Porter needs to listen to. I know everyone's doing this, but one thing is we're doing daily huddles. We're all getting on and, and talking and we're doing stupid things like show and tell. I mean, I definitely feel like 1990s back all over again. We're sending out snail mail again. We're doing little post-its. We're dropping things off at people, you know, if, Hey, send us your at, I mean, it's crazy, but we just want to send you something. Right. So it, it, this is an interest, like we, I said earlier, it's an interesting time to almost, hone different sales skills than you had before. You can't rely on outreach and just be an SDR well, good, sending emails. It's a good time yeah, for people, good. I think, to double down. And uh, and you said earlier something about taking a look at your process. It's a good time to learn, to relook at your process, see what kind of efficiency gaps there might be and, and close those. And double down on your skill sets, whether it's training or revisiting old strategies from the Reading. 90s when we were all yep. alive. Um, and see if those are working. So I think for what it's worth, like I think you're going about it, you know, the right way. I wonder if Sendoso is blowing up. I would think they are. The what yeah. is? Sendoso. <clears throat> They're a corporate, corporate gifting platform. Um, oh. I, can, I can connect you with you them. Should, so, you can look so at them. Victoria. Richard, but, okay. um, I, know, I know that they're doing well and having challenges like, like most people. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if you're in marketing right now, you, you know, what a time, right? This right. is your time to sort of reinvent what is happening. Even sales for us, right? We have to change what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and I think it's exciting, actually. We're, we're seeing some great wins and we're celebrating even the bad ones. You know, we've got people said, do not talk to me until this is over. But they're also saying, call me in three weeks or call me in three months, right? Because life isn't ending. It's just, a different way of, of, of doing this. Yeah. Well, it's been fun having you on the show and, uh, and chatting through all this stuff. What can we do for you? We always try to end the show with an offer of, of help and giving back somehow. Is there, is there anything that uh, one or the both of us can, can do to help you and your, and your team? Um, yeah. You know, I think what's going to be fun about this is I'm excited to, to share once it's available with, with, with my team, um, hopefully, uh, you know, we'll be able to, um, 
market this in a way that that's going to be beneficial for, for everyone. But I think for me, for, for you guys is, is this open line of communication has really been, you know, beneficial for me. So I'm not asking for anything right now, but what I want to do is give back to the MSP community and as well as LinkedIn. I think what I've, what I've learned from this is that there are a lot of people looking for answers and we don't know everything. And one of my mottos is that you surround yourself with smarter people because I don't know everything. And if they're smarter and they can help me with the skill, I don't know, then we're going to be better together. So, you know, I, I got to live and breathe my own feelings. So this is, this is sort of um, a good wake up call for me as well. Well, the, uh, the channel's always open. So let us know. You know. Victoria, okay. I, I do. I have a request. If I go to this surf and sail, someone's going to have to teach me to surf. That's oh, John, that's all. That's part of the whole thing. 90% of the people who go have never surfed before. Yes. Okay. And we hire, we hire local, uh, surf instructors to, to teach everybody and give them lessons and stuff. What if you hate the ocean? We've actually had someone like that. And um, she... You don't hate the ocean. You have a picture of coral behind you and fish. And I you have... work for a nautical company. This, you would have failed your interview. I know, I only go to my knees in the water. Well, you can hang out on the beach. You don't have to go surf. There, there are lots of people, like this last time, I didn't even surf at all because I've got some ear issues and stuff like that. So there are definitely people who come in and they do the surf part, but it's also that place to just unplug and you do, so, so now all of a sudden you've got three or four hours of content, which is great, right? And it's fun. And we'd certainly love for you to deliver some content if you were up for it. Uh, but then you have three or four hours to take that time and exhale. So mm -hmm. some people like to go surf. Some people like to go, you know, literally for a, a nice walk on the beach. There's a beautiful sunset every night. Yeah. Um, you know, there's hammocks everywhere. It's not a booze fest. It's not a, you know, as much as we're joking about it today, it's, it's not a, a drunken bro fest at all. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's as much about learning to create a process to relax as much as it is to improve your sales process and your sales line. So the trickiest, the trickiest part is, um, leaving your significant other at home to deal with the 9,000 practices and games that you're leaving behind. So yeah. if you can, if you can solve that part, I have some pro tips I can give you on solving that part, but if you can solve that part, then it's worth it. All you got to yeah. say is money. I carried these babies inside of me for 27 to 30 months. You can handle four days. That's fair. I don't want to, I don't want to hear any complaints. Listen, he's, he's great. He works from home before this. So he's, He's, he's awesome. I, I couldn't ask for, you know, better help or support. So there's a little plug from my husband. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck to, to you and your team as you navigate this stuff. Stay safe, stay healthy. And uh, like we Let said, know what we can do. Yeah, I will. I will. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And we'll talk soon. Yep. All right. Okay. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye. -bye.